This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop, I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. We didn't know what to do because we are in the same room for once. Yeah. It's so unusual these days that we ever do the podcast in the exact same room that we've forgotten how to actually start the podcast. Unless we have Mike Howell guiding us in with a countdown. We just stare at each other until one of us makes a move. How does this work? Also, (laughs) the way that it's set up in my office is that the um, Zoom is like too far away for me to actually just reach over to it from where I'm sitting. So I had to turn it on and then shuffle over to the the chair. Get into the chair. Let the get dogs Ramona into your lap. Up onto my lap. There was a lot of sorting and arranging that we were doing. So yeah, when we release the director's cut of this episode, you'll get a bonus two minutes of Will shuffling across the room to get into his chair. Um, so- I got in trouble on my other podcast, Philosophy, because uh, Mike Hell left a little bit of uh, pre banter in before one episode, mm. and. Uh, it was fine. It wasn't his fault. Like it was a fun little, you know, snippet, the sort of thing that we would normally leave in. And it just happened to kind of like sound bad out of context <laughs> and got me in trouble. And uh, um, so we're a lot more careful about leaving just like the lead up to it in yeah. the podcast anymore. Yeah. But, but the truth of it is that normally it is just shit like that. It's just like a little bit of shuffling around <laughs> the room, like talking to the dog, getting ready, realizing that I've left my coffee way too far away from me to comfortably reach with a dog on my lap. And this is a funny thing about, you know, I guess the great thing about podcasting, especially doing this podcast, is it's just like no checks and balances, sit down, hit record and start talking. <laughs> But sometimes, those days are gone. sometimes it's good that there's checks and balances. Yeah, checks and balances. Sometimes, that's what I'm trying to say. Sometimes bring back the middleman yeah. is what we're saying. <laughs> I mean, even the fact that we had a very Tofop style conversation off air because we've been in different places. So normally we're just like on Skype and mm. we've scheduled it into, you know, different schedules. We don't have much time for just pre-podcast b- banter. No warm up. <laughs> but we had like a seven minute conversation about whether they've changed Ice Vovos. <laughs> And we were Googling different pictures of Ice Vovos and having quite an in-depth conversation around the Mandela effect and its influence on the Ice Vovo biscuit. Yeah. And I was just like, well, this is the sort of banter we'd normally say for our stupid podcast. Yeah, we were just doing some stretches before the podcast. (laughs) But, I mean, because you've brought it up, we might as well put it out there and and, and maybe someone out there can solve this for us. So... We talked about Ice Vovos and I was saying to Will... And the reason, we should say, the reason we talked about Ice Vovos is that Arnott's have brought out a range of chocolate bars yeah. in which they've incorporated... Their as, famous biscuits. Well, as Amy put it, uh, the res- residue from their famous biscuits that <laughs> yeah, they've totally. swept off the floor at the factory into some chocolate bars. And uh, the first one I had was the Wagon Wheel one, which I yeah. liked. Mm. Now, what I'm going to say is, because uh, we're going to end up ranking the chocolate bars that have come out, but... Um, 
I liked more than the wagon wheel itself because while I like the flavors of the wagon wheel, I've never really liked the texture of a wagon wheel. Mm. For me, it's like too biscuity and like marshmallowy and not chocolatey enough. Yeah. So now they've put out a chocolate bar with like you know, scrapings of uh, wagon wheel in it, and I quite like that. The next one I tried was the Jats Cracker, which yeah. I believe is the uh, number one contender for the title in yeah. the range. It might seem like the unusual choice, but mm. it's, we've talked about it before on the podcast. It's that sweet and savoury, yeah, you know, salty, salty, starchy. Yeah. yeah so chocolate great. with Jets crackers. Yeah. Uh, and I'm A1. all about a salty and sweet these days. I remember actually, it was at your apartment in LA mm-hmm. in 2011 where you had these fancy chocolates and they had sea salt on top and yeah. you and I were both staring at it like <laughs> Indiana, in, Indiana Jones at the start of Raiders of the Lost Ark who we were staring <laughs> at this chocolate rubbing our chins going like, well, well what do we do? Do we slice it? Do we eat it together? Do we scrape the salt off? What is this? You know what it was. What? It was That was the moment where we should have been like all those Aussies who went over to LA when the dollar was a dollar ten, and then came back to Australia <laughs> and opened Mexican restaurants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we should have been staring at chocolate and salt together and realized this was an opportunity something that we could as explorers to yeah. the United States of America take back to our own country and then claim as our own and have like a massive business but it turns out the fucking corporation Arlets have got there before us and it's only eight years later um, so yes and then um, there's one that has uh, scotch, scotch fingers finger. which I thought was going to be great but the scotch finger actually just blends a little bit too much into the chocolate it's too much it? too full on I, I, as someone who consumes scotch fingers regularly mm. on their own that's enough flavour I think chocolate is too rich well here's what I would say I wouldn't mind a chalk coated scotch finger yeah yeah, right? a thin layer, right? Yeah, a thin layer of chocolate over a scotch finger. <laughs> if they're happy to put that together, I'll be a purchaser. But it was too much. They do do that. You oh, can do get, they? Yeah, they can get like chocolate scotch fingers. And and it is the perfect layer. Just yeah. a nice dose of sweetness to go with it. Yeah. But the, the scotch finger was too bland in the block of chocolate for me. Yeah. have not tried the dark chocolate and ginger snap, which is the other one oh, in the collection. Oh, ugh, that's yeah. cursed. Don't yeah. do that. Haven't even that's tried a trick. It. Haven't even tried. Like a boy <laughs> that band. That is Arnett saying, do you, do you reckon they'd eat anything? Well, no, I reckon it's like the boy band. They've gone the boy band model. Yeah. So, like, essentially... That's you, the Joey Fatone of... Well, you've got your sort of your... The guys from NSYNC. So, there was Justin Timberlake and the other good-looking yeah. singer So, guy, Jats right? is Timberlake. Well, no. See, I think Jats is your edgy one. Your edgy one that, like, you there know... There was no so, edgy one from NSYNC. There was there. I, I, well, I mean, that would be Timberlake because he makes sort of music that is popular, but it's still kind of artistically credible. He okay, works all right. with. So, it's Timberlake is Jats. Yeah. And the other guy is Wagon Wheel, right? Who's the other guy from Insync that's credible? I can't even. There's, there's like, there was another good-looking guy who did equally as much singing as Justin Timberlake. Well, no, there wasn't. As much singing as Justin. Was there? Yeah, I know. It's been re- your brain has <laughs> rewritten history because Justin Timberlake's gone out to be a star of his own. But at some stage, there was another guy who was like, uh, oh, I've got to look it up. But anyway, your point being that Joey Fatone is indeed the. Uh, the ginger snap. Oh, yeah, the dark definitely ginger snap. snap. Well, it, it leads us back to Ice Vovos because yeah. I was saying, because I've tried the Jats and I agree, number one. Wagon Wheel, I find, wasn't that impressed. No interest in Scotch, but less interest in Ice Vovo because I was saying to someone, like, what is the defining flavor characteristic of an Ice Vovo? And you were like, coconut. Yeah, coconut. Which led us to the discussion about, okay, in my memory, there's two kinds of Ice Vovos. One is a biscuit with uh, jam down the middle, uh, two layers of marshmallow either side, strips of marshmallow covered in coconut, right? That's what you think of as well, the fluffy coconut. But then, if you look at the Arnott's Ice Vovo, the marshmallow is like a flat, hard icing. It's not like the fluffy marshmallow. 
So we both remember the fluffy marshmallow ice vovo, but we were just looking online because we did. <laughs> we Google image searched it and we couldn't find any pictures of the fluffy marshmallow ice vovo, yet we both remember eating it. So then we started saying, maybe it's not called ice vovo. Maybe that's a knockoff brand where they yeah. fluffed up the marshmallow and we just call it an ice vovo. Yeah. Well, sliced vovo, you said. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, yeah. yeah. It's like, a, it's the, like ice, the black and gold yeah, version. Or the ice vava or something. Yeah. The ice dick when yeah. Dick Smith. <laughs> well, because then we got onto the topic. <laughs> now it's just talking, talking Tovov. And so of the fact that there was an uh, urban myth, and I assume it is an urban myth, but mm. the Ice Vovo is named after the creator of the Ice Vovo's wife's vagina. Right. Because her nickname was Vovo or his nickname for her vagina was Vovo and that the, the design of the Ice Vovo is um. like replicated on the design of her. Yeah. Now, I assume that's an urban myth. Yeah, but it sounds like an urban myth. Yeah, to the point we didn't even bother looking it up. <laughs> no. I just, we just both went, probably an urban myth. But all of that is to lead us to uh, the uh, topic of today's episode because we have... Well, I'll just read this letter okay. and that will explain to people what we're doing in this episode. This is from uh, Thomas. Um, subject, shit's fucked, except this podcast, I think. Okay. All right. I'm in. Uh, Thomas writes, this will be a quick one. I was just listening to episode 245. You talked about the guy who sold memory loss training thing uh yeah the mega memory that was uh kevin, kevin trudeau's, kevin mega, trudeau's memory. mega memory I mean, ironically you couldn't remember his name i couldn't remember his name <laughs> i also couldn't remember i knew that the lead his house band and the danny bonaducci show i remember saying it was his name was kevin montoya but i couldn't remember the name of the band uh-huh. and a good friend of mine sent me a text during the week and all it said was the critics exclamation mark and i was like it was Kevin Montoya and the Critics. And the critics. That was that nice. was Danny Bonaducci's house band. That's getting on the front foot too, isn't it? It's like that's that's kind of meta, to yeah. be honest. It is. Yeah. Well, it's a talk show, so news going to get critics. Yeah. Okay. I was listening to episode two four five talking about the memory loss training thing. Then I log into social media before the episode's even finished, and there's an ad for something called Mind Valley, and it's a memory training tool. Mm. I didn't click on it because that shit's fucked. Yeah, that shit is fucked. I expect this message to maybe be read in several months. So Charlie now has a chance to comment on how behind you are on your correspondence. Uh, thanks for the great content, even the laughable moments when you discuss something at length and how you think it might work, you are, and then you are so far off. <laughs> P.S. Can I have a sticker book? My current address is in the air as I'm in the festival event touring business, so it's suitcase life for me. Uh, well, no, you don't get a sticker book because that's only for our loyal Patreon subscribers. But what you've done is sparked us into action because we are so far behind on our correspondence. So what we're going to attempt to do today is clean out the mailbag. And just this is Tofop Goes Marie Kondo. Yeah, totally. We are going to look through your correspondence to this podcast, see if it sparks joy in our conversation <laughs> and then discard it. <laughs> so just to give you an idea, I've gone through all our outstanding emails and I've had to cherry pick. I like to read all of them, but there's just some I was like, look, you know, we're going to get through all of them. We mm. still have around... It's like 30 plus emails. Okay. Going back to April 6th. So we will try and fly through this. All right. But let's just see where the conversation takes us. All right. April 6th. This is from Ben. Hey, Tofop. Hey, guys. I've been listening to your podcast for about four years now and I've just, I've loved every minute of it. I'll let you guys ponder the bits I don't like. No, we no do we'd like to not ponder them. We'd <laughs> like to erase them from history, but we can't. History's messy, guys. I found the bin chat content especially enthralling and would love an update on the status of Charlie's bin and bins. Good, because there's cool. been 19 episodes of bin chat, so I'm <laughs> glad you're enjoying it. Well, actually, no, there has been a development, and it's I don't know if this is related, but now what's happening on my corner is there are heaps of stray bins. It's like everyone who lives on that alleyway 
now just leaves their bins on the corner outside my gate near my bins. They don't bother taking them back down the alley to sit outside their place. It's just like, well, they can sit on the corner with all those other bins. So we have a surplus well, that what, now that, of That's bins. what happens. That's the broken windows policy in New York City, what right? Do you, mean? you leave a broken window and then your neighborhood goes to shit. right the idea was they would enforce every minor infraction and it it, by nature cleans up now there's controversy around that method of policing but oh yeah winnie just wants a cuddle as well that was her barking uh she realized there was not enough room on my uh uh, joseph and mary style there was not enough room on my lap and so she said to go oh hang on now ramona's ramona wants some ramona's realized there's an opportunity over on charlie and decided to move over there as well all right you You traitor and also i'm on the couch yeah okay Okay. more of the dogs. Right, Come well, on, you, can, you want to get up? All right. Come on. Ramona, get up there then. Go, 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 okay. go, go. You can do you, it. You might want to help her up. She's, uh, oh, she, well, she's just, look, She, to be honest, she can do it herself, but she loves when somebody else does it for her. Charlie's about to do his back. And <laughs> I had to lean over and pick her up while still having Winona in my lap. And so that was a degree of difficulty. Okay. okay. So Ben continues. I've watched the Karate Kid series recently on YouTube and I was wondering if either of you had seen it. I've seen uh, the first two episodes, the free two episodes on YouTube, and now I have to set up YouTube Red to um So you're not going to watch, watch the rest, the rest of, of the series? No, no, I am. I, well, uh, or I think it's on iTunes or something now. I've heard that series two is amazing, but I've got to say that I sat and watched uh, the first two episodes with a mutual friend of ours, Stephen Gates. Gatesy. Uh, and loved it. I oh, thought it was, it's such a, re- it's a really, really interesting take Winnie's now back over my side I mean I haven't I haven't seen it but from the trailers and I get the concept of they invert like you know the good guys and the bad guys and to me they don't quite Oh, they don't? Honest. Like, I'd heard that as well. Oh, that's and, what I just got from the trailer. And I think that is, yeah. And then I thought that was a very tofop idea. If we were to reboot it, that's what we would have well, suggested. the whole thing's very tofop. Right. That's what I would say, is that it, it absolutely... Kevin Trudeau appears in one scene. Well, it absolutely stinks of like an idea that we would come up with on this podcast, but somebody actually made it. And Stinks is a perfect way to describe it. It stinks of tofop. This thing stinks of tofop. Um, but it's so far so good. And I hear it, it only gets better. So okay. yeah, I'm in. I'm, I'm definitely up for it. He says, I quite liked it. And uh, as it didn't take itself too seriously and gave life to two old characters and where they are now in modern life. So my question is... Well, you know what they do? A really good line in, and this is in the first couple of episodes. So I don't think this is very spoilery, but pointing out that Daniel definitely fucking cheated in that event. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, oh, that kick? Yeah, that kick's definitely illegal and that his whole career's been built on this like guy who's essentially... And what the other guy in that situation would feel like yeah. when the title was ripped from him because some <laughs> other kid came in and did an illegal move, move and then became like a hero in the local town and had this great life and your life was shit because some other guy cheated. <laughs> like, and so taking that concept and then exploring out to... Oh, me that would actually it. mean I thought was a really good way to start and then the, the, the there's a at the start you think oh god they've just flipped this like the yeah he's gonna be the good guy and Daniel's gonna be this like bad guy and I was like I don't know how I feel about that but it's not really that it's a mm. much to its credit it's more nuanced than going yes if Daniel LaRusso off the back of this became the most successful car salesman in the area which is the sort of thing that you're like yeah that's right mm. like he wins this thing. He becomes famous for this kick. He turns it into being a really lucrative car salesman, <laughs> you know, with with posters yeah. everywhere. Yeah. And then no like, altruism. And or then anything. the other guy has to just see that all the time <laughs> and deal with that all the time. It's like, okay, yeah. And then just explore That's that cool. idea. And it, but it is more nuanced than you would 
Like Daniel isn't as at the start. I thought he was going to be like a, a villain, villain, but he's not really. He's just a, a villain of circumstance. I'll be interested more. to see if it can sustain it because I think there's a phenomenon with TV now at the moment because there's so much of it and the turnaround's so quick and budgets probably aren't as big as they used to be for a lot of these shows. Mm. What you get is an awesome first season. There's a great concept with an awesome first season, like a Stranger Things or whatever. And then they have to quickly rush into the second season and you realise they either haven't had the time or there wasn't enough development or it was just a good idea for a one season. Again, this is anecdotal like mm. I'm because I literally have done no particular, you know, but in people I follow on Twitter and whatever who've been tweeting about it, it feels to me like they're more impressed with season two than they were uh, with season one. Okay. So that like season one was a bit of a risk, but now that they know that it kind of is a thing that that they've got that sort of second season where like no we know confident. what we're doing now okay you know, we're more confident maybe got a little bit more budget or whatever maybe season three will be terrible but... <laughs> my question is is there an iconic 80s movie that you would like to see have its own series in the present if so now or what would it look like keep up the good work p.s my nickname in high school was scrambles as i cleared out an assembly hall with a rancid fart that smelt like eggs <laughs> On your scrambles. Okay. Uh, okay, so is there an 80s movie that you'd like to see updated for the present, an 80s character or franchise? <sighs> While mean, you're thinking about it, I can tell you I saw a great short film last night that someone sent me that is uh, Back to the Future. So they have, it's kind of like a short film, 15 minute short film, where it's Back to the Future 2 where Marty goes to 2015. But it might, it's Marty going to 2015 as it was in 2015. Right, the actual 2015. Yeah, so it's Obama's president and people are on the internet and stuff. But they recreate the scenes where he's walking around Hill Valley, you know, and he's like, you know, what is this place? And like, and the actor they've hired to do play Michael J. Fox is sound alike, look alike. It's uncanny how well he does Michael J. Fox. But he's sort of going around expecting to see like a 3D Jaws coming out of the ceiling like you do in, in the original Back to the Future 2. But instead, it's just a bunch of people on their laptops playing like 3D video games where they slaughter people and stuff. And I mean, that's a really good idea. He sees like, Obama and he's like, Goldie Wilson's president now? And then the actual actor playing Goldie Wilson walks in and goes, President, yeah, I could be president. <laughs> Um, it's a really good idea. I, that that easily could be a series for me. Yeah, like I, I would watch definitely like you know six if, to ten episodes now. of like half an hour. Yeah, on that for sure. That's a really that's a really clever idea. Yeah. Um, what else is from the eighties? What are we talking? Iconic eighties, like Indiana Jones, uh, Lost Boys, Gremlins, Ghostbusters. Bill and is Bill and Ted's eighties. Yeah. Okay, so Bill and Ted. There was would, an animated series. Yeah. So I would see like you could easily see. Oh. A time travel movie like a Bill and Ted's be a, a, like a episodical. Oh, there was an awesome series. short run Bill and Ted's comic book that I loved. It was like really kind of. It was it was a bit like a Jamie Hewitt. Uh, Hewitt, Hewitt is it the guy who did Tank Girl? Yeah, Gorillas. Yeah, is that him? Yeah. So it was it's a it was a real. I can't remember who the artist was, but it's a really subversive like um, funny comic book from the nineties where it's like the further adventures of Bill and Ted. I reckon you could do that. Just turn that entire comic book run into a series. It'd be awesome. All right. Have you seen John Wick 3, by the way? Yes. No, oh, I haven't seen it yet. I rewatched it. I just haven't had an opportunity to go to the movies. Um, and, it's uh, so enjoyable. Like, uh, the funny thing well, is... Because you know that I am the number one card holder in the John, John Wick, Wick fan club. Uh, like, I, I, when, the, when I saw the announcement that um, John Wick 4 
has already been announced yeah. and somebody said that John Wick 3 really sets up John Wick 4 well I yeah. was just like that's all I need to hear in my life well here's the thing about it I was trying to describe it a friend of mine last night saw the trailer and he hasn't seen any of them and I said it's kind of weird because it's like it's a real throwback to kind of 80s action films like the invincible kind of like action hero with amazing choreography and stuff but like it's so cheesy and there's so it's so dorky all, all the neon lights and like the super you know serious tone which they talk and but it's so enjoyable like this latest one i've read a few people online be like oh you know it's a bit same same and i'm yes. like yes yes exactly yeah, 100%. like i could just watch i could watch it for like six hours of just counter reeves doing the, all that the original film is same same yeah like that just misses the whole point like the great thing about these movies is they just go like i was because i was re-watching the first one last night and they, they they spend you know there's like 10 or 15 minutes at the start of sort of setting up you know the you know the dead wife and why the dog was in get it out of the way the car <laughs> just get like out of the way. enough that you care yeah, yeah. But essentially, that's, but that's the thing. I don't think it's enough that you care. I think it's just so you know. Oh, like you've enough got no that idea. you know he cares. Yeah, exactly. not enough. That, that, not, it doesn't affect you on the slide. No, not in. I mean, the puppy, I guess. Yeah, but they don't even bother that much to go. This is an adorable well, let, puppy. Let me tell you. By the time they get to John Wick three, and this is not a spoiler, they've just uh, they've just compressed that to him looking at a photo of his wife, and then he's straight into just shooting people in the head. Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's all. Just a little reminder. Yeah, exactly. Oh, just hearing a dog bark, yeah. bang, shoot <laughs> yeah. someone. That's fine. With me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, the Baja Men's Who Let the Dogs Out comes on the radio, and he just starts shooting Uber drivers. I actually think this third one is my favourite, to be honest, because I, I heard um, uh, the Weekly Planet talking about it, and Meso was saying that you know they both kind of liked it, but he was like, oh, I felt like the John Wick was kind of based in the real world, and then this one takes a giant leap into sort of you know it gets very cartoony, and I like that. Like I'm like because uh, it's so violent i don't want to see vi- the, the the less realistic you can make the violence the more cartoony the, the more comfortable also I am none it. of them are said in the real world he kills like 300 people mm-hmm. in the first film and faces no repercussions he doesn't go back to clean up the bodies or anything yeah but this one he doesn't go back to cover it up no but but seriously right a guy in melbourne tonight or in sydney tomorrow kills 150 <laughs> people and does makes no effort to cover his bases or make sure he's not on cctv or not leave fingerprints at like he would get there would be a massive well that's another thing that i wondered watching this film is a lot of the action sequences take place out in the general public but it is like it's uh, here's an idea i was wondering if maybe john wick is actually in the matrix universe because the way that the characters within john wick behave it is in complete isolation to the way the rest of the world operates. Like they'll be in Grand Central Station having a shootout and no one even reacts or gets yeah. upset or calls the police. And I was like, maybe Neo thought he beat the computers, but they've just plugged him into this new universe where he's this avenging hitman called John Wick. Because the universe works almost in exactly the same way. I mean, if at the end of John Wick 4... They reveal that it's, it's just Neo the matrix, matrix plugged averse. into a fucking machine. <laughs> I mean, do you need to say the Matrix averse, or is that kind of unnecessary? Because the Matrix is a universe. Yeah, the mate into the Matrix. Yeah, but it, like whatever, whenever it finishes, and I, let's hope that it's John Wick thirteen. <laughs> but, but when John Wick thirteen finishes, if they if if it wakes up and it's just Keanu plugged into a machine in the Matrix universe, I'd be like, yes, this makes complete well, and utter sense because you've given him a motivation that he needs to understand why he's doing his thing mm-hmm. and then an unrealistic capacity to go and get like guns and yeah you know, and morpheus, sh- morpheus that, shows like, up yeah in the new one he drops his we need guns lots of guns like 
I was watching it. I almost went online as like some nerd must have written the it's the Matrix. He's he's still in the Matrix kind of connection. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that'd oh, be written. Yeah, I, yeah. Again, yeah. we don't have to look it up. No, much one, like over <laughs> Ice Vovo being the guy's vagina. It's it's, it's there. It's it there. exists. We assume it's, it's there. It's Schrodinger's wick. Yeah, feel feel free to send us links to interesting articles some nerd has written about uh, John Wick being in the Matrix universe. I'll, I'll be happy to read them. Uh, Chloe writes in, Hello, boys. I can't remember the message protocol. Sorry, Charlie. It's two colon fop. Um, hey, Tofop, here's another tantalizing Tofop tidbit. Uh, my name is Chloe. I'm a teacher. Please don't read my last name. And I've been listening from the very beginning. One of my favorite moments from early on in the show that I've always remembered was a discussion about the novel Wuthering Heights and how Tofop listeners were not Bronte readers. <laughs> well, that's very presumptuous of us. You are right? Yeah. What do you do? Oh, just stopping the dogs from eating toothpicks. Yeah. yeah. That's probably bad for you. Although... Winona did look like a 1950s tough <laughs> with that toothpick hanging out of her mouth. Uh, uh, we said that uh, Tofop, this is not Bronte readers, particularly Will commenting that if any listener was the sort of person who had Red Wuthering Heights and was now listening to the show, something must have gone terribly wrong in that person's life. I stand by that. To lead to this turn of events. Well, I love Wuthering Heights. This conversation made me laugh so much. I've remembered it all these years. I'm not sure what it says about me in my life, but I'm the person in the middle of that Venn diagram. I would like to ask, and I know it's a few months past now. <laughs> get, get ready because it's even more since. But please indulge me. Did either of you see the new A Star Is Born or any of the previous three? And if so, would you please discuss? I know Will loves musicals. And though this isn't technically a musical film, if it's a film with music, it's gloriously sappy and therefore I suspect right up Will's alley. Love you both. Greatly appreciate the content. Please bring your show, Will, to South East Queensland. Uh, okay, so um, have not seen uh, the current one. Mm -hmm. um, uh, mostly because there's some themes in it that uh, are probably a little bit too close to my real world at the moment and so i was warned off it by a whole bunch of people just probably saying, a good idea this is not a film that you know with everything that's currently going on in your world that you probably want to go and see mm. um uh, but i wasn't particularly interested anyway right. i've got to say but you were interested in the muppet remake with kermit and miss piggy absolutely i was <laughs> that's the one i have seen <laughs> oh, it is oh, i haven't seen any of the other ones but yeah. i have seen that one um i've seen it yeah uh, the new one, yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, yeah. it is. It, it's but it is a you will ball because it is a perfectly crafted Hollywood tearjerker. It's just glossy enough that you just enjoy it, and then they sneak in the feels really well. But um, I really enjoyed it. Like I think uh, it is sappy, but when that shit's done really well, uh, it's 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 fucking like manner from heaven. Like no, you, there's nothing better than a good tearjerker, like the Notebook or something like that. Yeah, I don't mind that sort of movie either, but this one, anyway, I no. won't, I won't yeah. go into why, but it's just, uh, I, so I liked seeing them sing at the Oscars. Yeah. Like that made me think, oh yeah, like, you know, I thought that was an amazing and performance at the Oscars. Have you, do you, when you're on YouTube, have you noticed, you know how like YouTube has really weird ads now? It's like, what, how come these weird products and weird people you know, are getting to advertise on YouTube. Have you noticed that? Like, it'll be some guy trying to increase your wealth. It's like a two-minute ad that'll play mid-YouTube video. Okay, so firstly, sometimes things are just sold, you know, on sort of, like anything, 
your YouTube advertising will go to somebody who goes, if I send out 100,000 of these things, you know, I'm going to get a few people in. So mm. it's an efficient way for them to advertise. Yeah. Um, but partly they start to get targeted towards you. Yeah. So clearly. So, all right. Yeah. <laughs> So there is there is an app that keeps. So I'm not seeing so many of those because I don't need ways to increase my wealth. I'm doing fine. Thank you no, very no. much. The the one that keeps coming to me it's an app, and it's called Smule, and this app is like a karaoke app. But what it does is you essentially enter a chat room with another person, and on your phone it will play like a duet karaoke, and right. you will sing a duet with this person. So the ad is literally just like screen grabs or like video webcam of two people using smule and singing. And the one that comes up most often is a guy and a girl singing that song, uh, Shallow, The Shallows from yeah. A Star Is Born, right? And I have like, in a Danny Bonaducci show-esque fashion, I have become so obsessed with this. Every time this infomercial comes on, I watch the whole thing. I watch these two people sing to each other. I've Googled trying to find out who they, who they are. Like I've gone on YouTube because... I thought it must have been the real people, but they're just actors and they've put like names next to them and stuff. But there's this whole like, it, they've created this whole fan site, like people who want to know who these singers are and stuff. And then I found this like behind the scenes video of the two people. I've wasted fucking hours. Still haven't bought the product. <laughs> That's a perfect distillation of how the attention economy works though. And the reason you're getting it so often, because I've never got that ad, never seen it. Don't know what you're talking about. And I'm yeah. on YouTube all the time is because I haven't watched that movie. I haven't like, then lingered on because they do these things now. If you pay attention to that ad, yeah, it's going to keep coming back. Then it keeps coming back, and they can tell how often you're paying attention well, to it. Not, and if I'm you then engage with like yeah stuff around it, and then what's going to happen is that in your searches, it'll yeah. start to come up you know more and more you know things that are connected to that, and then suddenly oh. you build this world where they just keep you online all fucking Insulated. day long, just ignoring the crisis our planet's going through while you look up fucking fan sites for a karaoke app that you're never going to fucking purchase. Anyway, welcome to capitalism and the internet, guys. Tyson writes in, hey, Tofop. Oh, by the way, oh. I've taken um, Twitter and Facebook off my phone. Oh, how's that changed things? And it's things? revolutionized my life. Really? Wow. Like, I've read, like, several books. Like, I, I feel like I'm concentrate i'm more relaxed i feel like i'm concentrating more i feel like when i do go on then because i'll go on my computer and like, but i'll do, do that, that like maybe twice a day morning and night i'll go on my computer and flip through a few things i find that i'm not reading any feedback i'm not getting engaged in things oh. like when it's on your phone even if you're like i'm not reading feedback you yeah. just come across it and I, I watched like three games of football or something yesterday and watched them yeah you didn't check your didn't, phone oh no. i need to do that and it was that. I felt like I was retraining my brain. In fact, Charlie, I have a brain retraining <laughs> program. It's called Take Facebook and Twitter Off Your Fucking Phone. And now Kevin Montoya and the critics. <laughs> uh, Tyson writes in, Hey, Will and Charlie, love the podcast. I particularly enjoyed the recent introspective. <laughs> recent. <laughs> Towards the end of the episode, Will asked Charlie if he would listen to a podcast that was, a de was dedicated to episodes of Home and Away featuring his character, Zach. Charlie then suggested that this is the I'll type... I'll be Zach. Did I call it I'll be Zach at the time? I <laughs> hope I did. Charlie then suggested this is the type of podcast that might already exist where people watch the same episode every day for a year. The good news, uh, good news kind of, I'm here to tell you that this does exist already. Are you familiar with the podcast called The Worst Idea of All Time? Yeah, well, I, well that was what I was referencing when I made that. Okay, well, he said... <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps uh, you could suggest their next season be dedicated to Zach, featuring Home and Away weekly viewing. Keep up the good work. 
Yeah. Admittedly, um, that was the joke I was trying to make. So thank you for at least recognizing that. It may have been a bit obscure. Um, I, Do you know that podcast, The Worst of Idea no, of All Time? No. You'd love it. Um, it sounds like it'd be right up my yeah, alley. <laughs> so they'll take a terrible film and then just watch it like once a week for an entire year and do a podcast about it. Um, I'm going to forget the other guy's name and I feel bad oh, about it. But it's Guy Montgomery mm. and... Uh, it says two, it said two Kiwi guys. Yeah, they're both oh, Kiwis. Okay, right. Uh, nah, anyway, it, it, it's great. Uh, I highly recommend it. Um, funny story. You know, I've been doing these acting classes. Um, I had my last one yesterday and uh, everyone was sent... Um, that's like an audition piece to do. Uh-huh. And the uh, teacher specifically chose Australian material because he said like, you know, there is, this yeah. Is, Cause you, this is what you might be auditioning. Yeah, for. exactly. Yeah. And so um, there's, there's a lot of, like, there's all mixed experience in this class, but there's a lot of younger actors and stuff. And I right. sort of really, you know, just sort of kept my head down or anything. I haven't mentioned yeah. anything like that. And one of the guys sits down next to me yesterday and he's like, were you on home and away? And I was like, yeah, why? And he's like, Oh, because the audition scene I got sent is for a character called Zach, and I just went online oh. to see who it was. And I saw oh, it was you. No, are you and serious? then another guy in the class was like, "Oh, I'm doing Zach as well." And I'm oh, like, oh no! Right, cool. And so I had to sit down in this class oh, and watch no. two guys get up and do my character. That is, it was so weird. The best story <laughs> I've ever heard in my life. Like, but you didn't get that. No, I didn't get that. I mean, I the, mean it would have been worse if you'd also got it and they'd both done it better. Yeah, and no. you were like, yeah, they definitely would have got the part of Zach on home and away. It's kind of funny because they actually were sent <gasps> the very the actual audition scenes that I was sent like five, six years ago, whenever it happened. And I remember, uh, I, I was, I remember sort of thinking at the time because when the way Home and Away writes that show, often a character gets created. And, you know, they'll have an idea of who it is, but it moves so quickly. They kind of cast someone and then you will help, you know, shape the character from right. then on. It doesn't, right. it doesn't yeah. start. They give you the bit of the, here's the rough outline of who this is, but yeah. it's going to be, rather than us go through the laborious process of creating a character <laughs> and then finding someone to fit it, yeah. what we'll do is we'll find someone and then we'll fit them to the character. Yeah, it's a lot easier that way. Yeah. And so um, it was interesting because I had thought of the character as being when I'd read it and you know my take on it I'd sort all these things but then to see two complete because they were two completely different guys like one was a lot older one was a lot younger than me and then to sort of see because I'd always just felt like I did what was in the script you know he's a good guy whatever you know but then seeing how different people interpret that same role it was completely different and to be honest no better or worse I was expecting to sit there arms folded and be like well yeah. well clearly they only Zach have... wouldn't say that yeah. like that <laughs> but then you see someone else has taken it and you're like oh yeah, yeah that's a really like interesting way to do that I mean I guess it for you would be like you go to an open mic night and then you hear someone get up and do like five minutes of your material I mean I've, I would always be fascinated by that like so Tom Walker who's a brilliant like comedian who does completely off the wall things um wanted to get a script of one of my shows and then just redo the oh, entire show in like idea. his style and there was a part of me that was absolutely fascinated <laughs> yeah. to see what that would be like you know well the original idea behind team america is that um trey and matt got their hands on i think it was the day after tomorrow and they right. said this is such a ridiculous script wouldn't it be funny if we remade this before they did but with puppets just to sort of like take the pit and then they found out that they couldn't do it but i love the idea of doing something like that subverting something like okay that. so um i i was actually going to say the other guy in the worst idea of all time was called tim blatt 
but I was like, I'm just not sure that's right. I was so close, but I'm glad I didn't go with it. Is that Blim Tat? Tim Bat. (laughs) All right. So I don't know where the extra L that I was going to go with came from, but I'm glad that I didn't. So Tim Bat and Guy Montgomery, uh, they watch and review the same film every week for a year. Uh, Okay. Um, In each season, the film chosen is one neither of the hosts have seen before and is generally considered to be a bad film. Okay, so in the first season, the hosts watched the Adam Sandler comedy Grown Ups 2 uh, once a week for 52 weeks. Uh, um, neither of them had, oh, this is important, neither of them had seen the first Grown Ups film. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and uh, then, uh, let me see, uh, season two, they watched Sex in the City 2 for 52 weeks. Uh, season three, We Are Your Friends. Uh, the hosts watched the 2015 drama We Are Your Friends. And so do they watch it before they do the show? Um, or are they commenting on it or something? No, you say they watch it and then they do a podcast. Uh, you know? I mean, fuck, man. We do a football podcast and sometimes I find it hard to watch a new game of football each week. Well, the great thing is that, it, yeah, I mean, it, it's as much about their descent into madness <laughs> as it is about, you know, the actual film itself. Skylar writes in, subject, a flat earth sandwich. Hey, Will and Charlie, I've been listening to you guys for a while. Listening to you babble on makes me want to hammer my head in less. Well, anyway, okay. well, I, guess, I guess that is that, a compliment good. of sorts. I was curious to know your thoughts. On I sl- mean, it'd be better if it was not at all. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. less. <laughs> I haven't managed to stop me wanting to hammer my head in, but, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to do it less. Anyways, I was curious to know your thoughts on celebrities who think the earth is flat. Because we, as we all know, this is silly and dumb. Thanks for the great stuff. I look forward to hearing more. Uh, flat Earthers, what's your take? I mean, it, to me, Flat Earth seems so ridiculous that it's almost barely worth engaging in. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, there are so many myths about things that realistically affect our planet, you know, around vaccines or, you know, climate change and these sort of things, like real world things, that the yeah. idea that we get bogged down in debating people who, like, mate, if you want to believe the Earth's flat, then believe the fucking Earth's flat. Yeah, like, I'm not going to let you ne- navigate it. Like as long as air traffic controllers don't believe the Earth's flat, or like you know, people who are in charge. But if you're a professional athlete and your job is to play basketball, or whatever, and you believe the Earth is flat, then I don't give a shit, mate. I just feel like whatever. we are heading towards. You've seen um, those articles about the deep fakes now that they can animate a still frame photograph, and you know it looks about 80, 60 percent believable now. But it will only be a matter of time before they can take a photo of anyone animate it and create a deep fake absolutely 100 percent. so what does a post-truth world look like because I, I was thinking about well we're al- almost in it already almost there but i was thinking is the only way to do it kind of what you've started doing is to disengage like i was thinking um maybe to us become amish because i figure if i don't consume any technology i can't be tricked if my only well, deal- that is the massive overreaction that's needed <laughs> well, no, think about it. because my only dealings then would be person to person <laughs> I would only worry about my community. Mm. Like if there was some, because like, you know, there's a lot of people talking about like the political systems now and like, are they outdated? Does it not work? You know, like, like functional democracies, capitalism, all that kind of stuff. And then there's this idea that maybe we need to go to smaller and smaller villages. Maybe the idea of having overarching government or bigger power structures isn't working. And um, the idea of, well, if you just know your neighbours and take care of your neighbours and then, you know, you just sort of keep that, 
that seems manageable, you know, and then you don't have to worry about like, you know, a deep fake of uh, Kim Jong-il saying he's going to send a missile over or, or what seems like it's definitely going to happen. But it, it's not even as like big as that. We just live in this world now, like you were explaining about your YouTube views. Whereas if you, if you kind of, you know, read a rant about how there's too many foreign players coming into the EPL, then suddenly your Google searches start to direct you towards like seemingly real articles about, you know, Muslims coming into the UK to take jobs and whatever, because a computer algorithm recognizes that you have some sympathy to that point. Yeah. And they just suddenly get into this world where people don't realize it's not like someone goes from going, I believe the world's round to, I believe the world is flat. Mm. Like you, you start by, you know, clicking on a few conspiracy theory sites and then suddenly you're getting fed stuff in your news stream or only yeah. seeing things that relates more and more to your, your world. And then people just start to believe yeah. these things or not even believe them because sometimes it can just be a disparity between communities. So, for example, in Australia with our recent election, you saw that in Queensland where, you know, they're obviously getting a lot of you know, positive information around the mining industry and negative information around things like climate change and what I mean for jobs, which is makes sense because it's a very important industry to that part of the world and all these sort of things. And the more that they feed into that news cycle, the more the news becomes about those things because that's what people want to hear about. And then you, you're in Victoria or wherever where those things aren't the same issue. Well, your news isn't talking about them and they're talking about them in different ways. So that's even real life things, like yeah. important things. And you have two communities that just suddenly aren't seeing the same news, aren't having the same conversations and aren't on the same page with each other. So then you get to that next step of, yeah, so that is that is literally part of the reason that I've, like, I'm like, I'm just sick of mm. all, like, I don't want to be plugged in to the day-to-day drama yeah. that is purely created to divide people and yeah. keep them in these communities and get their attention. Yeah, I've, there's a, I know a few people who have disconnected and it has, my therapist, my new therapist has actually recommended, he was saying to me, uh, do a a morning and an evening check and that's it like don't have it and you delete it from your phone you know if you if it's work related then just create certain like specific time frames within your day like a lunch break and you have a look at it and then that's it because he's gone the problem is we are now uh, it's the dopamine release of that scrolling through where you're not actually taking information in and then the information you do take in is targeted information well, but not just that, that you're constantly being manipulated by these series of people who are in the business of manipulating you mm. and you let them, mm. you know, so you, it, the less you expose yourself to that world where they are trying to constantly trigger you, because I don't blame people for being addicted to it. The reason they put in a like button and a thumbs up and all those sort of things was to get us addicted. Like mm. I've never had notifications on my phone, but notific- like the amount of times I log into something and it would ask me if I'd made a mistake by not having the notifications <laughs> on. Like, it's like, you cool, man? I'm just checking in. <laughs> you sure you don't want notifications? The no- notifications are there, not for you. The notifications are there for them to keep you looking at their thing, to keep you on their site, to keep you yeah. paying attention. And the way- they realize that the way they get us to pay more attention is to, you know, get us to that... You, you stay on YouTube and you click on a Donald Trump, you know, video and you watch one of his rallies. Well, the next thing that comes up is for some, you know, more right-wing thing and more right-wing thing. And you just get caught in this bubble of, you know, mm. like I, I got on Twitter yesterday at night to like check through things. And there's still really positive, fun things. Like 
I would have missed. Um, there's a, a great American uh, podcast called Dumb People Town. Mm. Have I told you about this before? No. Uh, you'd love it. So it's the Sklar brothers and Daniel Van Kirk, and each week they get a comedian on, and they take three stories of like the world getting dumber, you know, and they just go through the stories and they improvise around them, and it's it's a really really funny podcast. And um, but they were doing a thing where they've decided that if I send them some headshots, uh, every time they go to an Outback Steakhouse, they're going to put one of my headshots up in Outback Steakhouse around America. So now I have to get some headshots done. So Signed. I'm, I'm going to sign some headshots. Reach for the stars. And like, and like get them to put them around America. I wouldn't have seen that until I listened to that podcast. I wouldn't have seen it unless someone said it on Twitter. Great. Yeah. That's positive. But then I also get on and I see that everyone's having some argument around something yep. where someone's written one way someone's and been, someone's written the other way and then there's like think pieces about can- that. Someone has to get cancelled. Some, someone's done an interview from 1964 <laughs> that's been dug up. I'd had a something. lovely day watching the football and reading my book and hadn't had to deal with any yeah. of that. No. And I didn't need to know about it, you know? You're talking, you're talking my language. I'm, go- I'm definitely going to delete it. Right but you don't have to be Amish. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, keep sending us a message on Facebook for our podcast. Paul writes in, hey, Tofop, the tantalizing Tofop tidbit, yada, yada, yada. Now that's out of the way, what's up? And he literally wrote, what's up? Um, love this show. Not exactly sure how long I've been listening for, but it's definitely before there was a Clawson, pronounced Clawson shaped hole while you were still having conversations around topics you've since disavowed. <laughs> After going through a bit of a dark patch, I started listening to the pod while walking in the evening, just something to distract myself from dark thoughts. A couple of kilometers here, a couple there, a couple times a week, building fitness and stamina and listening to a comedy conversation between two old mates. The distance has got longer, and just as I was running out of back catalogue, you joined Planet Broadcasting and introduced me to new pods that have entered my regular rotation. So, I needed a goal to work towards, and I settled on a 240-kilometer cross-country walk following a rail line that's not been used for 40 years, a task I thought was hot shit until Will started talking about his 70-plus neighbor following the Beck and Will's route. <laughs> oh, well, still doing it. It kicks off a couple of months of significant historical anniversary, and if I were more organized, I'd have sponsors lined up, a social media campaign, and a cross-promotion for anyone and everyone I can think of to raise awareness for my twin causes of prostate care and mental health, but I'm not organized like it all. Medical side note. The prostate is the muscle that means guys shoot when they orgasm and also keeps you from dribbling pee down the front of your pants. You definitely want to keep that healthy little walnut. As for serotonin, you can't make your own. Store-bought is fine. (laughs) You guys have been there. Well, Charlie pissed off for a bit throughout my journey so far and barring a break in the podcast, you'll be accompanying me on the long walk, whether you want to or not. Um, this is all... Was the cough there yeah, as well? That, yeah. Oh, that was good. <laughs> I want to see two other acting. guys take on that <laughs> yeah. now, but I like yours. Uh, so my questions for discussion, completely unrelated to the above, is the following. All right. <laughs> when so that's like, her version of the yeah. cough. <laughs> when he, when he that's how you cough. That's her. Do you hear that? She believed it. Uh, so my question for discussion, completely unrelated to the above... Well, firstly, before we get to the question, good work, man. I'm glad that we were able to uh, uh, help you in some positive steps in your life. Walking is fucking great. The way that you started that, though, was like, first I just did a kilometer here or there. And now I can't stop walking, man. (laughs) I'm just walking all day long. Every time I get my sneakers out, man. Um, but walking, yeah. But I just need 50 bucks, mate. I am going through sneakers (laughs) so quickly, man. I want to get those skeletos, man. (laughs) 
I hear that's the good shit. <laughs> I gotta get some compression tights. <laughs> Come on, man. Just some compression tights. Uh, so my question for discussion, completely unrelated to the above, is the following. Have you ever signed up to do something that you are utterly fucking terrified to do? P.S. Cannot be trusted with a sticker sheet. Seriously, it would just lead to bad things. Uh, have you ever signed up? Uh, terrifying. Um, um, I didn't. Well, I think when I went skydiving, I, but that I wasn't scared of skydiving. I didn't think I was going to have a. I only had a problem with skydiving once. I saw Gemma go out of the plane, and then it was my turn to go. Then there was. That's the closest I remember when I was being edged to the corner of the plane. In my head, I was running scenarios of how I could possibly get out of this and not look like a pussy. I was just like, uh, uh, and then. But then once I was out of the plane and falling, free fall was fine. It was just sitting on the edge waiting to jump. That's that's when I was scared. So I um I can't see my, my hip health has ruled me out of so many things that would fit into this category. Yeah. I was thinking this the other day that like uh, in the AFL they have this uh freeze MND slide, you know? And um, they asked sort of, you know, various like well-known people connected to football or whatever to, yeah, so they'll theme it. And so different years there's been comedians and stuff doing it. But they would never ask me. Or if they did, I wouldn't be able to do it because my hips are so They'd tough. They'd have to have They're a second like, benefit to raise my yeah, hips. Exactly. I'd be like, the ice bath would be good for them. <laughs> yeah. But the lead up would be a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so, It'd be kind of amazing to see <laughs> you do it. Just go, this year to raise money, we're going to kill a guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, imagine if they jabbed... We're going to kill a guy in front right. of 100,000 people. They, they the jabbed MCG. you up with the best morphine in the world. They'll like we'll like we'll take care of we your can pain. make you feel nothing <laughs> yeah it's like for the next three months because <laughs> yeah. that's how long i'll need it for <laughs> um but yeah any of those things you know walking the kokoda track or doing any of those sort of major things i'm kind of physically ruled out of now so what about mentally terrifying though like first time you went on stage first time you did the opera house first time i don't think there is anything that i like that's oh, you know what i guess that's i've been talking a lot on philosophy recently about like trying to find new ways to sort of engage with what the original thrill of doing a stand-up was because there was that it came with a bit of fear but you do it for long enough and mm. you know you get competent enough at it that uh, that sort of overarching like sometimes it, you don't do it well but you have the confidence of going i've done this enough and i understand how to make it good it's like that my comedy first was right here like it might be first night might be tough if it's you know if, if it doesn't work how i want to work but i know that i know how to make it good so that's why I've been considering doing, um, you know, a whole season of these improvised shows where it's different every night is mm. to try to, because that is scary. Like the idea of having to walk out on stage without any material every single night in front of like a thousand people and trust myself that I can turn that into a show. Yeah. Is, it, it, it is terrifying. And the reason I think that I keep engaging with that idea and keep talking about wanting to do that is that it would re-engage me in that idea of, generally bringing some like fear of failure and you know focus fo yeah in, into have you the seen free solo that documentary about the the guy about free han solo yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> from carbonite yeah yeah it was about the political campaign yeah. trying to get him freed from the carbonite wrongfully incarcerated yeah, exactly. carbonite yeah you guys know about it right? Fett was yeah. completely out of line <laughs> Uh, but that, that's a, a documentary won the Oscar this year. And it's about a yeah. guy who mountain climbs without a rope. And there's a lot of discussion. He's a very, uh, I mean, I don't think his father was Asperger's. He appears to be on the spectrum somewhere. They did an MRI on him and his amygdala, the thing that's how you pronounce it, the part of the brain, that the primitive part of the brain that is fight or flight. His doesn't light up. He doesn't respond because he has this very methodical approach to 
climbing and and uh it's interesting because it's it's the story is about him but it's also about all the people around him his girlfriend his support crew who were like you know he's so focused he's very unapologetic that this is what he wants to do and it's very hard for him to relate to people like he says he never hugged anyone until he was 24 and then he thought it, he saw it was a thing that people did so he tried to have to teach himself how to hug but it's this really interesting idea that he's like i can climb anything with a rope attached to me but when you take the rope away even though i've done that climb a hundred times suddenly because of it's the life and death thing the focus becomes incredible like it's just and that is the kind of thrill i guess it's the thrill he doesn't really talk about the adrenaline but you can understand that that idea that this is, requires 100% laser focus. Got to be incredibly meticulous about where I move next and where I put my next Well, it could go wrong at any yeah. time. Yeah. And people die all the time, apparently, doing like free solo climbing. And I like adrenaline. Like, you know, so I was a person who always loved, you know, skydiving and things like that and have always enjoyed, you know, things that come with, you know, like I've been in the roulettes and, you know, been in high speed, you know, ride-alongs with like, you know, racing car drivers and I've always loved all that stuff so i think that my physical body has enabled it has kind of stopped me from being able to do those sort of things mm. and then the more that i've been doing like i do think that people choose stand up because it is terrifying as well you know that, mm. that when people always say to me that you know that you know I, I can't believe you know i would never do that it's one of those things that terrifies people stand up mm. so i think that in choosing it you're choosing it because you like the terror and when the terror goes away or the terror is lessened then you look for new new, newer ways to make it kill a homeless person or something just to get a rush well see i i don't have any of those (laughs) desires you know like i've never had the desire to hurt somebody physically and those sort of you know like some people it would be some people would be like i'm going to join an underground fight (laughs) but like join an underground fight club or at least do boxing training or like push myself like physically in this way or like get hurt or mm. you know be out in the bush and survive and mm. you know those sort of things my version of that is like doing a show where i don't prepare any material <laughs> <laughs> the writes in to fop hey guys here's some to fop yes that was oh hang on he, hey guys here's some to fop correspondence yes that was deliberate because i just listened to the new faux fop episode and had a great laugh on my flight home yesterday, I watched the third movie in the Maze Runner series and got thinking of all the great hilarity that offers ensues when movies are discussed on Tofop and Fofop. The whole bit you guys did on Kevin Costner movies was amazing on the recent Fofop, and the Now You See. Uh, uh, sorry, and on the recent Fofop, the Now You See Me movies were reviewed and apparently are terrible, even worse. Okay, in the so second one. Cameron James and Justin did a Fofop with me, and we talked about the Now You See Me franchise, Now You See Me, and Now You See Me Too, and it. It is, those movies are, or if you were going to watch a movie over and over, worst idea of all time, (laughs) like if you alternate between uh, Now You See Me and Now You See Me Too, you still would never explain (laughs) what the fuck is going on in those movies. So here's my ask. If you haven't watched uh, them, please look at the Maze Runner series and give your honest and insightful feedback. From my perspective, the first one is great. The second is okay. The third has some redeeming elements, but pretty bad overall. Yet I still watched it. Uh, if you end up reading this, no need for send a sticker book since it costs $30 to mail to the US. Reallocate the funds to something more stupid, please. <laughs> Much love from Vidura. Uh, Maze Runner, what's your take? Seen any of them? Uh, I think I've seen all three of them. Oh, really? Yep. Right. Okay. Uh, here's my review of the first one. Not enough maze running. <laughs> really? Uh, yep. Uh, I quite like a maze movie. I know you don't really ever get many maze movies, but uh, like I think like Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only one, right? <laughs> oh, no, Cube. Is another one. I like the idea of a maze. 
is what I would say. Well, Westworld. Have you done a proper Westworld maze? Westworld, like to a, a certain extent, was like maze-related. Yeah, maze-related. Um, Shining has a maze in it. <laughs> the, uh, there was something as a young person about the idea of a maze yeah. that amazed me, Charlie. Ah, got it, yeah. Um, you know, the idea, particularly that sort of idea that you would have to solve clues or... Yeah, yeah or, the, that, or there's a minotaur. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Maze Runner as a like a, a kind of premise... I was in for the maze runner, but to be honest, there's a lot of build up and not a lot of maze running. Mm. And it's only really at the end that they get into some full on uh, maze running. So, but then it's revealed that it's like a social experiment. Right. right? And so there's a lot of potential for it then to become better. It does not. Right. Yeah. The first one, I would uh, agree with uh, our our correspondent uh, in that the first one's better than the second one and the second one's better than the third one. But I'm starting at a much lower bar after the first one, as he is. I always thought about Labyrinth. The thing that always bothered me is why Jennifer Connolly just didn't climb on top of one of the walls and then walk to the tower, traversing the top of the walls. Wouldn't that have solved her Labyrinth problem? There was easily handholds to climb up those, those, those mountains or get one of her puppets. She didn't have her. a rope. Get a puppet. She doesn't climb. Her. She doesn't climb without a rope, mate. <laughs> Yeah, this is the worst writer's room ever. It ain't, it ain't free Connolly. <laughs> Jim, Jim Hansen's just sitting there poo-pooing all my yeah. ideas. No rope. No rope in labyrinth, mate. No rope in the labyrinth. Kermit just opens a door and says, if you want to keep your job, you keep your fucking mouth shut. You're like, Jesus, it's the most aggressive writer's meeting wow. ever. It's that weird. The asshole. We don't want to hear your ideas, Okay. <laughs> He's just come in the door so the puppeteer can be behind the door <laughs> yeah. still. So you know, like... You're fired. <laughs> uh, okay, Evan writes in, Hey guys, I've been a long-time listener and you mentioned in episode 235 you're unsure if you had related the Tofop origin story. You have, quite early on. Uh, but if I recall correctly, you had a different explanation for what Tofog meant. In episode 235, apparently it was the height of the Tofog members added up to approximately 30 feet. Back in the dark days when dinosaurs walked the earth, I am certain that Charlie said Tofog was, or he thought it was, related to filmmaking. When, an editor, when editing, the director wanted to add some more background sound, they would say, um, and in there, give me 30-odd foot of grunting or whatever, the length of film being related to duration of a film canister. 30 foot is about 18 seconds. Do you remember this? Or am I having some kind of false memory syndrome? Cheers, and thanks for your help. No, I remember that. I think there is debate over what it means. In fact, I think it's a mystery that only Russell Crowe could... Uh... Uh, sort out when he appears on this podcast which will happen when we do our yeah. live show when he's when he's out when he's our kevin montaya when the he's critics. when he's at his worst and we're at our best and <laughs> we finally meet in the middle yeah we're hosting an infomercial yeah uh how long are we done uh let's just do a couple more letters and then yeah. we'll split it into the second okay, episode good. um okay this is uh from mike uh okay this is mike i'll cut that out because i almost gave away this name guy's name this is from mike he says hey tofop Guys, like a lot of people, I listen to your podcast at work. You would be surprised at how often I start laughing at jokes while using the urinal. Thanks, guys, for making it awkward. Keep up the great work. Why are you listening to our podcast in the toilet? Would you do that? Uh, I think I'd take my headphones off because I don't want someone coming up and pushing me or something while I'm in the toilet. Oh, I reckon I've... At work? Yeah, I mean, not at work. I don't put my headphones on at work. I mean, imagine if you're sitting at a desk I work, working. The only thing I work at is a radio station and I feel like it'd be a little insulting. <laughs> to the, like if you've got headphones. all the headphones on. 
<laughs> um, here we go. I'm going to see if I can find on Russell Crowe's um, uh, official official. Let's music Russell Crowe music. Here we go. In the 80s, uh, I'm sure we've gone over this before, but like, uh, let's get the definitive from Wikipedia. In the 80s, Crow under the name of Russell Rock recorded a song, I Want to Be Like Marlon Brando. We've covered that off. In the 1980s, Crow and friend Billy Dean Cochran formed a band, Roman Antics, which mm. later evolved. Oh, here we go. Well, I didn't know that they no. were originally called Roman Antics. And that was uh, before Gladiator, right? So like Rome, Romantics, ah, but they're Roman, Roman Antics. Antics. So they were yeah. like, a, yeah, all right. Okay. Roman Antics. <laughs> Roman Antics. Uh, which later evolved into the Australian rock band 30 Odd Foot of Grunts, abbreviated Tofog. Um, okay, let's find out how the name uh, came about. Uh, in the 80s, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, Crow performed lead vocals and guitar for the band, which formed in 1992. Uh, the band released the Photograph Kills EP in 1995. Yeah, from Virtuosity, the movie Virtuosity. As well as three full-length records, Gaslight, Bastard Life or Clarity. Bastard Life or Clarity, yes. And Other Ways of Speaking. In 2000, Tofog performed shows in London, Los Angeles, and the now-famous run of shows at Stubbs in Austin, Texas, which became a live now DVD famous? that was released in 2001 called Texas. Uh, in 2001, the band came to the US for major press, radio and TV appearances for Bastard Life for Clarity uh, and returned to Stubbs in Austin, Texas to kick off a sold-out US tour with dates in Austin, Boulder, Chicago, Portland, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Philadelphia, New York City and the last show at the famous Stone Pony in Asbury Park, New Jersey. Uh, in early 2005, 30-odd footed grunts as a group had dissolved slash evolved. <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't know if that's... All right. With Crow feeling his future music would take a new direction. He began a collaboration with Alan Doyle of the Canadian band Great Big C. Uh, with it, a new band emerged, The Ordinary Fear, Fear of, of God, God, which also involves some members of the previous Tofog lineup. <laughs> so not entirely a new band. A new single uh, was released in April 2005 and an album entitled My Hand, My Heart which was released. Oh, by the way, I have noticed that he is definitely going with one heart at a time. time. Now, but, but what do you think is legit or do you think he's been tongue-in-cheek? Tongue-in-cheek. Slash legit. Yeah. Much like... <laughs> much like... Much like <laughs> dissolve slash evolved. evolved. <laughs> he's a man of ambiguity. Russell he's a Crow. slashy. Yeah. He can be two things at the same time. That's yeah. what he's good at. Shredding his crow. Yeah. Uh, the album includes tribute song to actor Richard Harris, which became who became Crow's fan, friend during the making of Gladiator. Uh, Russell Crowe and the Ordinary Fear of God set out to break the new band by performing a successful sold-out series of dates in Australia in 2005, then 2006 returned to the US to promote their new release, My Hand, My Heart. Uh, another sold-out US tour, major press, radio and television appearances. Uh, Did he in, ever do the Danny Bonaducci show? In March 2010, Russell Crowe and the Ordinary Fear of God's version of John Williamson's song, Winter Green, was included on a new compilation album, The Absolute Best of John Williamson, 40 Years True Blue. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Commemorating the singer-song. I mean, I can't believe There's no more Australian a sentence than that. The absolute best of John Williamson, colon, 40 years of true blue. <laughs> Was there any room on the album cover for a photo or is it just all text? That is <laughs> the best. <laughs> ah! 
John um, Williams, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. I'm, I'm an Aussie the, and I love being an Aussie. Uh, for international listeners who don't know the work of Australian John Williamson, Australia's kind of, you know... Folk singer. Folk singer, poet laureate, our, yeah. our uh, Bob Dylan. James Taylor. <laughs> He's a guy who, like, sings these songs about Australia and wattle and trees. And yeah. He doesn't really sing. He yeah. just like, hey, true, hey, blue, true blue. Don't say you're gone. <laughs> Say you're knocked off for a smoker <laughs> and you'll be back later <laughs> on. Hey, true blue. Anyway. Is that actually a lyric from it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you've knocked off for a so smoker. You've knocked off for a smoker <laughs> and you'll be back, you'll later, be on. back <laughs> later on. <laughs> can you... Can you Google the lyrics of Hey, True Blue? True Blue by John Williamson? Yeah, absolutely. I've never really thought about it before, but... Mate. I, I could pr- probably do them, Hey, True Blue. Don't say you're gone. Say you've knocked off for a smoker and you'll be back later on. Hey, True Blue... Uh, hey, Tree Blue. Oh, hang on. I'll just... Tree Blue lyrics. Here we go. Um, all right. Hey, Tree Blue. Don't say you're gone. Say you've knocked off for a smoker and you'll be back later on. Hey, Tree Blue. <laughs> hey, Tree Blue. Give it to me straight. Oh, no. Face to face. Oh, shit. <laughs> He's like, Come no gay people and only missionary. <laughs> Give it to me straight. Face to face. Kiss me on the lips, True Blue. I'm your mate. <laughs> it just becomes a song. I love you, Blue. I love you. I love you. I love you, Blue. I love you, Blue. Uh, give it to me straight. We should get an face. apartment together. <laughs> hey, Blue. Hey, Blue. Do you want to be my best mate? What I'm trying to Blue. say is we should leave our lives. Blue. You like fishing, Blue? <laughs> Hey, True Blue. <laughs> oh, the rest of the guys aren't coming over. It's just me and you tonight, True Blue. It's just me and you. Have, have a, a drink. Have a too. Yeah. Hey, True Blue. <laughs> True Blue is our version of Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> it's just a song about a guy so poor, who loves guy. another guy. And they just want to be able to love each other. No, he loves another guy. That guy doesn't want to. He's constantly trying to devise ways... Um, give it to me straight, face to face. Are you are you really disappearing? Just another dying race? Hey, True Blue. Oh, no. True Blue, is it me and you? Is it mum and dad? What? <laughs> is it a cockatoo? <laughs> is that in the... Did you make that up? That's in the lyrics? This is like, Same. honestly... This was one of the most iconic Australian songs of all time. To, to the point where they've released the 40 year anniversary of John Williamson's music called True Blue. 40 years of True Blue. And this is the song. Hey, True Blue. Is it me and you? Is it mum and dad? Is it a cockatoo? I don't understand the question, John. I don't know. <laughs> like, what? How? How is. Like, if this was Jeopardy and I was like, me and you. Mum and dad and a cockatoo. What is true blue? What is true blue? Or if it's like true blue, it's like what is a cockatoo? No, it's what is mum and dad. I think you find true blue. Hey, true blue. Is it me and you? Is it mum and dad? Is it a cockatoo? Is it standing by your mate when he's in a fight? Or just. Vegemite. <laughs> this is like an algorithm. Like some algorithm has written a song, an Australian folk song. Hey, True Blue. 
I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know what the question is, John. <laughs> I guess the question is things that are true blue. Yeah. True blue could be me and you. It could be mum and dad. It could be a cockatoo. It could be standing by your mate when he's in a fight. Or bloody just fed you, Mike, mate. Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get I get everything but the cockatoo. All those things that have like a grounded, authentic quality mm. to them. Well, a cockatoo technically is the only thing that is authentically Australian about any of those things. Yes, right. Because me and you could be not From Australian. Anywhere. Everywhere has mum and dads. Uh, Vegemite was actually owned by an American company at one stage. So really, the cockatoo is the only <laughs> one that has any fucking right to be in this song. Standing by your mate when he's in a fight is not a no specifically Australian, Australian concept. No. Um, hey, True Blue, can you bear the load? This, yeah, I now mean, he's back again. to trying to seduce his mate. <laughs> it's like, well, instead of spitting on his hand like that scene in Brokeback Mountain, he gets the Vegemite tube. Hey, Drew Blue, hey, now Drew my Blue. pants are chafing. <laughs> I don't think there's any two syllables. So, um, hey, True Blue, can you bear the load? What she? Uh, oh, she's trying to eat the PlayStation controller. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, not the knob, the rubber. Which rubber? Isn't she? Oh no, it's okay. Oh, hang on. Oh, but she was going. She was to. chewing it. Yeah. Good. Yeah. No, that's a probably good to stop <laughs> good her from doing that. Well done. I've got the. Oh, now you've just turned on the PlayStation though in doing that, so uh, I'm gonna have to deal with that because I'm good with technology. Um, all right. There we go. Um, all right. Uh, so. Uh, hey, True Blue, can you bear the load? Will you tie it up with wire just to keep the show on the road? Is he talking about his dick? I honestly don't know now. Can you put wire on my dick, please? <laughs> it's a bit much. Uh, hey, True Blue. Hey, True Blue. Oh, God. I didn't even can't remember this was one of the lyrics. So, hey, True Blue, can you bear the load? Will you tie it up with wire just to keep the show on the road? Now, that's actually terrible. Like, fix it. Yeah. Don't just tire it up with wire. At least he's an hockey strap. Yeah, exactly. Wire. (laughs) Why wire? Uh, Just to keep the show on the road. Hey, True Blue. Hey, True Blue. Now, be fair dinkum. It's amazing. Hey, True Blue. Is your heart still there? Oh, here we go. Is your heart still there? If they sell us out like sponge cake, (laughs) do you really care? Hey, True Blue. Who's they? It's going to be paranoid now. (laughs) Foreigners are coming over here. This is actually what this song is about. It's It's a white nationalist rallying cry. I mean, when you think about it, it seems charming, but it's it's about traditional values. Yeah. Essentially, this whole song is like, there's a certain way of being Australian that these bloody foreigners coming over here don't understand. (laughs) It's about having a mum and a dad, not a mum and a mum, or a dad and a dad. It's about fucking a simple family with a cockatoo. Yeah, who doesn't mind a cockatoo? I love a cockatoo. (laughs) <laughs> like, and then uh, if they sell us out like sponge cake, do you really care? Sponge cake. It's a challenge. It's quite a confrontational closing. Though. Hey, True Blue. Oh, and then he repeats more. that. Okay. So that's the song True Blue. So like, you're trying to say uh, John Williams. John Williamson. John Williams. Oh, yeah. John Williams is the yeah. Jaws guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So I just want to finish off. So that was he, he, Russell Crowe, Ordinary for God. Um, well, hang on, just before you go on. So, w- what year was it? So, they started in 92. What year did they change the ordinary fear of God? Was that okay, 2005? So, this is before this 2010. So, 2010. Oh, no, no, 2006. Okay, so they had 14 years to rebrand. So, in 2024, we will rebrand to the ordinary fear of Pod. Uh, so, uh, John Williamson, 
As of May 2011, there are plans to... Yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. Where's the name, though? <laughs> There's no... No one will ever explain where this fucking name comes from. We'll just have to wait to get Russell okay. on. Well, that'll be a... All yeah. right. To be continued. Yeah, we'll, uh, we've got more letters to get through, so we're going to take a little break <laughs> for now. For you, it'll be a week. Um, don't forget to go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash... Hang on, how do oh, I say that? Patreon.com... Oh, what? You got something? Uh, wait, we're back. <laughs> we may be back. Okay, I've got to get my glasses for this. Okay, all right. Should we sizzle it for next week? No, no, no. Oh, it's, like, in the it's, same, same thread. It's on topic, so okay. I think we finish on this and then we can... Will has just put on this like, like Giles and Buffy. You've just put your glasses on. <laughs> this is from November 17, 2003. Okay. From the Sydney Morning Herald. And the title of the article is 30-odd foot of groupies. Oh. So, you know. It's a long way from the pristine white beaches of Panama City, Florida to the darkened front row of the Campbelltown Catholic Club in Sydney's West. But no distance is too great for 61-year-old grandmother Carol Atkinson, who has travelled across the world to worship at the shrine of 30-odd foot of grunts, brackets, toe fog. And her idol of choice is the band's lead singer, Oscar-winning actor, Russell Crowe. Gee, what a shock. With her thick glasses and ample build, Oh, Jesus. Yeah, he's up. Cross. Hey, it was a different time. It was a different time, too. Well, you bloody fat shame. Uh, with her thick glasses and ample build, Atkinson looks more like a girl guide leader than a rock groupie who's come to Australia three times this year to see Crow perform. What year was this? 2003. <laughs> okay, yeah. I have children the same age as Russell. She laughs. It's disgusting, isn't it? <laughs> but, well, didn't really think about it, but, but no. But I've spent more than half my life caring for my children. Now it's my turn. <laughs> oh, I don't like where this is going. Atkinson estimates she's spent thousands of dollars. If you don't add it up, you don't feel bad, she says. Mm. And a stack of frequent fly points on her passion for Crow. She's seen the 39-year-old New Zealander perform in Australia, Chicago and Canada. Along the way, she's bonded with 15 groupies who've travelled variously from Japan the US, Britain, and of course, Australia. 15, it's an oddly specific number. Like if you can count how many groupies you have, it's probably an indication. Still 15 is more than this podcast has. Most of us came to the band. <laughs> hey, why, why do we get to drive by? <laughs> Most of us came to the band through Russell, she says. But now we're genuine Tofog fans. You don't come all this way just to see one guy. There you go. Joining the diehard fans are hundreds of Campbelltown residents. Some curious about seeing the Hollywood stars, some who's simply wanting a good night out for 22 bucks, who sit up the back of the auditorium with their beers. But even among the most reluctant attendees, mainly blokes who've been dragged along by their wives, <laughs> there's a frisson of excitement when Crow steps up to the microphone. As a teenager in New Zealand, Crow, who acknowledges the influences of singer-songwriters Billy Bragg and Elvis Costello, performed under the stage name Russ the Rock. He still tells stories about busking on the streets of Sydney in the 80s with his mate Dean Cochran, now lead guitarist in Tofog. The band's name oh, thank Christ. refers to a sound effects request Crow found amusing while working on the 1995 film Virtuosity. Virtuosity. But much like Keanu Reeves and his band Dogstar, Crow and Tofog are regularly derided and mocked by some critics. Tofog is horrible by any standards. <laughs> Lyrics... A teenage poem poet would be ashamed of barely passable music, musicianship and Rusty's hulky physique, physique and quavering off-key voice out front, wrote one Australian critic. Oh, that's a bit mean. Boo. But uh, not that such opinions matter to Crows fans. 
I grew up with the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel, who lyrics mean something, says Atkinson. And it's the same with Russell and the band. I've got all the CDs. In my car, on my computers at work and at home, I enjoy the songs. And when you see them live, it's electrifying. Wow. I don't really understand the criticism. I find it strange. It could be, could be the tall poppy syndrome. The band perform, perform a type of music and just like opera or pop, it might not be your thing, but it's still good. Fucking well said. Well said, uh, person whose name I've forgotten. Lady Grandma, Saxon, horny grandma. Uh, back in Campbelltown, Crow says he often recognises the fans, mainly women, who followed the band's entire Australian tour. Since July, Toefog has performed more than 24 gigs throughout the country, including dates in Darwin and Mildura, and a free outdoor concert on Palm Island, 65 kilometres north of Townsville. Atkinson came face-to-face with her idol during a gig at Coffs Harbour in July when he stepped off the stage to speak with her. She was jet-lagged and lucky to remember my name. He asked me where I was from and was very polite and friendly. I've spoken to him three or four times since. I don't approach him. That's not my style. Oh, man. After the show, it's not unusual for the singer-guitarist to receive congratulatory cards. His first child with wife Danielle Spencer is due in January, as well as gifts and fan letters. The actor even announced the gender of his unborn baby, a boy, during a gig in Chicago. On stage, Crow gives the fans a little wave as they sing along to every word of every song. That's no mean feat. Most Australian music fans would struggle to sing one chorus or even name a Tofog song. But dedicated fans here and in the United States have embraced the band's latest album, Other Ways of Speaking, which was released in Australia in July. The technology-savvy groupies also rely on internet chat forums... <laughs> 2003. I love 2003 so much. <laughs> ...to brag about their encounters with Crow through Tofog's tour. Favourite sites include... Uh, www.gruntland.com <laughs> the band's official site and uh, www.russellcrowheaven.com yes we up. have to check if they still exist yeah you do that I'll look that up Gruntland okay. and Russell, Russell Crow Heaven, Heaven. Okay. Um, where fans write poems dedicated to Crow and buy merchandise including posters and photographs among the free gimmicks uh, available are Crow paper dolls think Crow in casual gear Crowing Gladio Mode as Maximus. <laughs> but even for web-obsessed fans, including those wielding scissors and a glue stick, there's nothing like seeing a life-size crow in the flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Atkinson has befriended a Tasmanian named Sonny Gill. Gruntland still exists. Yeah? Yeah. 30-odd foot, foot of grunts. Welcome to Gruntland, home of 30-odd foot of grunts. TOFOG is an acronym for 30-odd foot of grunts. They are a band because blah, blah, blah. I think that's pretty much just their Wikipedia entry. But yeah, they got like photos and tour dates and shit. Gruntland. Looks like it's better than our website. (laughs) (laughs) Atkinson has befriended a Tasmanian called Sonny Gill, the founder of the Russell Crowe Heaven website. Gill is thrilled to see the star on stage, but after seeing fans in action, admits to having reservations about the grunt groupies. What? Why? So Sonny Gill has some reservations about the, the grunt groupies. Uh, It's so competitive among them. It's actually a bit scary, she says warily. These people are hardcore. I thought I was a fan, but now I'm like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Atkinson is unfazed. We're just here for fun, she says. We certainly don't want to make Russell feel uncomfortable in any way. And I think he knows that. It doesn't seem to matter whether people are here for the gladiator, for Russell Crowe, or because they won tickets on a radio show. I've seen the way he pulls them in. 
it, the way he involves them in the show. It's just phenomenal to watch. Russell Crowe Heaven also exists still. This is amazing. This is like six, uh, fifth, uh, what are we? 16 years later, Russell Crowe Heaven and Gruntland both still exist. Russell Crowe Heaven was, re- was updated in August of last year. You can get vid, vid caps of Gladiator DVD. You can get pictures from the soundstage of uh, one of his films. And the Russell Crowe triad has been completely redesigned according to this. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, should we wrap it up there? Yes, we definitely okay, should. Okay, so let me uh, pump the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. We've had a boost in our subscribers Good, in the last couple you. of months, which is really great. This it, it makes a huge difference. And necessary because we um, it, it, we occasionally have an ad on this podcast, but <laughs> most not of the time not. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, you know, we have some costs, obviously, to edit it, particularly when we're not in the same place. And, yeah. and uh, this time of the year, too, when we're running a football podcast, Philosophy's back in town, you're doing faux fops. Like, that's yeah. just more hours for Mike Hal and, and Fosdyke, and we need to pay them. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And if the you, American dollar is killing us. It's killing us. <laughs> killing us. Great for Americans. Bad for us but the thing is if you uh, listen to our other podcasts uh, we understand like we've been thinking maybe we create like a a Patreon for Willosophy a Patreon for Two Guys One Cup because we have listeners who just like those shows and maybe that's something we can look into doing and creating bonus content for there that's sort of audience specific but but for now this is the best way to support all our shows Um, we're on Facebook we're on Twitter do you have anything to promote? Uh, there's going to be my shows in Newcastle are sold out but um, uh I had agreed to do the Darwin Festival uh, with my Will Eagle show. Um, and when I say I had agreed to, I'm, I'm looking forward to, but I've kind of cancelled most of my touring for the year, but that one was already committed to, so I'm going to go to Darwin later in the year. It's not on sale yet, but uh, I think that's the weekend of like October sort of 24 or something like that. So if you're in Darwin and you want to see my Will Eagle show as part of the Darwin Festival, that will be coming up to that part of the world. Uh, and also, um, if you do sign up to our Patreon, remember James Fosdyke and my latest comic, uh, Quantum Cop, episode four is out. It's the so four things up. It's, it's great. Funny. It's one of... James's most ambitious three-panel strips yet. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it took months. It took a long time. Like, literally, that's why it's so long getting it out. But there's lots of other great content on there as well. You can also go to our YouTube channel, Tofop TV. Yeah. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want, it's up to you.